Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel along with Elder John Trombley. We are now segueing into one of the most beautiful parts of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' lessons on prayer found in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15. brother we are on a very one of the most intimate things we can do with the lord we're going to be talking about prayer actually we're not going to be talking about prayer per se but what jesus has to say about prayer and uh, the instructions he left for us so john let's just begin by familiarizing ourselves with the passages we'll be looking at and so if you could read for us maybe like Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. Sure. So we can segue into this. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. A lot is said. Yes, uh, yeah. And one of the things that stand out to me that I shared with you is, if we were to ask Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray, he would actually begin by telling us how not to pray. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's it's uh, you know, you said it's this this intimate thing that we do, and yet there's a lot of questions. You would think it would be easy enough to do, but there is a lot of questions out there about prayer. And to me, it's I think insightful that Jesus doesn't begin with to the answer to the question. Jesus, how would you pray? He doesn't begin with do this, do this, do this. He actually begins by saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which makes me think that this is our default. Mm. If Jesus is getting ahead of us, um, he knows that these are the pitfalls that we will fall into. So he's already giving us a heads up. Right. You will bow your head, you will both <laughs> bend your knee, and this is the direction you're going to go. So you need to be aware that this is the human default. Right. And the first thing he begins with is, People love to be seen by others when they pray. Isn't it crazy that uh, Jesus knows our default, huh? And it, it started the whole great controversy once again, that darn pride, right? Yes, and, and <clears throat> um, pride can sabotage your prayer life. Yeah. So, I mean, as a pastor, you know, John, I always encourage people when I, when I hear their struggles, you know, marital counseling, financial, I usually whittle it down to asking that one question after, you know, an hour and a half of conversation. Finally, I feel... Uh, that I can ask safely the question, how's your devotional life? Mm. You know, 95% of the time, the, the issues that you know manifest themselves, the, 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 the peripherals, the root problem is a disconnection with God. So I usually end up telling people, you know, you need to pray, you need to pray. But Jesus, why do you meddle here. like that? Why do you why do you try to get into their devotional life? Why are you I trying know, to make right? people feel guilty like that? Uh, Love the same <laughs> ah okay same reason same reason Jesus is meddling with our own hearts right here. I didn't want you to gloss over that. No, no, it, no. it seems like uh, devotional. It, it it does it attacks even even that attacks our pride yeah. right. Well, I used to tell people I was a nurse and as a nurse I had to ask you questions like 
have you had a bowel movement today? <laughs> so which which one would you much rather have your pastor ask you? Have you had a bowel movement right. or how's your prayer life? Right, exactly. Right, so you can get a perspective. <laughs> yeah. Prayer life will be just fine, Pastor. <laughs> All of a sudden, that doesn't sound so weird yeah. when you ask that. Uh, but so, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, our it, it goes back to, you know, all our problems do stem, it yeah. seems, from that. Yeah. But I think Jesus, as a pastor, his burden would not stop at, are you praying? No, I'm not praying. His, his <laughs> response would go a step further. It's, it's not simply, are you praying? Because a prideful heart would say, yes, I am. Right. right? And maybe they are praying. But Jesus would go to a, the deeper layer of, how are you praying? Mm-hmm. And so this, this is where he begins. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Mm. The exact same uh, problem of doing charitable deeds right. yeah. is to be seen, to be heard. Um, I remember the first time I read through this books, uh, books, um, series of books called Testimonies to the Church. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you know what those are. And I remember reading a um, sentence that I'm going to paraphrase that basically said this. Long public prayers can sometimes be attributed to, not always, but the, the dry ones. Mm-hmm. The dry, drawn-out long prayers can be attributed to very little time in the closet with the Lord. Wow. So it rebuked me. You know, it, it was like cut deep, and I'm realizing uh, my public prayer actually can be a, a diagnosis of my personal, inner, intimate prayer life. Mm-hmm. And Jesus maybe is saying, you know, these individuals that love to be heard publicly... Do not, they love to be heard by men, but they don't love to be heard by God. Right. And, you know, uh, we do have this, uh, you know, maybe if you're not in the church or maybe, you know, you just can't, you're, you're thinking, well, yeah, this makes sense. You know, we do have uh, congregational prayer, right? Yeah. We come together as a family, as a church, and we and we have congregational prayer. Every Sabbath. Every Sabbath. So Christ isn't saying don't, don't uh, have prayer in public, but... What what are you doing with that mm-hmm. exactly? I, mean, and, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, John, but when we have those morning times, um, I can tell. I mean, I say from a human perspective, of course, mm-hmm. but there's a part of me that responds to someone who's praying from their heart. Mm-hmm. I can tell they're pouring their heart out. It doesn't matter if it's something that they're doing impromptu or they've written ahead of time. It's there's there's something spiritual that resonates with hearts when someone is in the presence of God that they've forgotten that they have a mic in their hand right they've forgotten they're standing in front of other people they have now been absorbed by the reality I've, I've bent my knee in front of the the throne of God the throne of his grace and I delight conversing with my father amen you know there are times where and you know when you're asked to do that uh you know, as as leaders of the church, uh, churches were were able were were asked to do those things, and you know, there's some pressure there when you get asked, and you know, you you do have to come to this part or this conclusion or or whatever you, whatever you want to say that it's exactly what you're talking about. There is this element that sometimes we get trapped of in that. Uh, Almost like there is this show we got to put on, yeah. as opposed to just having prayer, right? I mean, I I I'm going to be transparent with you, John, that as a pastor now, I, I see uh, such a clear uh, transition of people relating to me before I was a pastor to when I am a pastor, 
before I was a pastor, <clears throat> and I was just Ariel, the deacon or the elder, <laughs> um, whenever I would go to Bible studies or have gatherings, and I would ask an individual, hey, would you like to have prayer? Sure. But when I would say as a pastor, would you like to have prayer? All of a sudden, my role intimidated <clears throat> them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know this. I right. just thought that they just don't like to pray. But later on, as the friendship would develop, they would say to me, like John Lettle, he told me that, you know, when we started praying together, he's like, I just felt very intimidated praying with you. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it's a very human default. And so Jesus is not trying mm -hmm. to shame us here. He's just saying, it will be easy for you to try to impress those who see you and you see versus trying to speak to my heart because you don't see me. Mm -hmm. And so what I've told people that when I'm mentoring them and discipling them and if they get asked the question, can you do the morning prayer or something like that in front, I encourage them to, to think of intentionally forgetting that they're in front of other people mm. and just focusing on the fact you're talking to the Lord. Right. Um, because that's what I've had to do in my own journey. When, I need, when I'm in prayer, and, and either as a pastor or not pastor, I need to consciously say, Lord, help me to focus that the, the reality. I'm talking to you. So he, there's the conference president over here. He's the ministerial director. He's pastors that I you know, look up to. Forget them. Mm -hmm. They're human beings just like me. We're, we're dust. We are in the presence of the mighty, compassionate creator, our heavenly father. Let me focus on him, not on the humans that I see. Amen. Right. And, you know, I, you know going to or talking about this, I think of uh, when I have family prayer and I ask the kids to pray, uh, it is... They've gone through, you know, they've, <clears throat> excuse me, they've been in church their whole lives. They, they go to the academy here. So they know what's expected of them. You know, they'll, they'll bow their head. And it's almost like we're having, um, uh, oh, I can't think of what do you say before? Oh, grace. It's almost like they're doing grace at bedtime, right? Thank you, Father, for this meal. But we're in bed, you know, and, and it's like, okay, so they'll, sometimes they'll have that prayer. My point is, is that they know. Okay, spotlight's on, even though it's at home, right? They know that the spotlight's on. So oftentimes we'll have prayer at home, and then when they're done with that one, then I'll say, okay, can we have a real prayer now? Because that yeah. was that was the that was the boxed prayer. That's what you know, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So so that's what we're talking about here. So really, I mean, we're we're kind of flip. We're seeing that there is this problem. We're kind of already talking about the solution to it. But uh, and maybe these are not isolated things, mm -hmm. like compartmentalized issues, but rather the, the one feeds the other. Mm -hmm. You know, like the idea that I'm in front of dad or I'm in front of the, the pastor, I try to pull out a CD of a great prayer that I heard someone pray a long time ago. You know, in the Spanish culture, I grew up hearing a cliche that the first time I heard it sounded nice, but mm -hmm. when I heard it like 30 times over and over and over about, you know, when they're praying for the pastor, and I'm not saying it's bad, and I'm not saying this to shame anyone, right. or I'm not implying that they're not being sincere. That's a great point, because, you know, it does sound like that's what we're doing, but, yeah. you know, go ahead, sorry. God sees the heart, ultimately. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But I had to ask myself, when I, would ask, when I was asked to pray for the pastor, and I'm trying to impress people, and that's the motive, right? That's the motive that is imperceptible mm -hmm. to us, that only the Holy Spirit can bring to my awareness. I'm trying to impress men, rather than reach out to the heart of God. And when we do that, when I did that, I would go into the CDs of my brain and pull out a fr phrases such as um, take a coal from the altar and touch the lips of this person that the words, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful little imagery. And it is. Mm -hmm. And it is not wrong to say it. 
but it is wrong to say it when I'm trying to say it for the sake of impressing right. others. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm when I say something and I'm almost yearning to hear a whole bunch of amens, oh, they like what I said, right? Those are I think indicators that, like Jesus talks about you know, in another parable, of two people to go that go to church, um, uh, one is um, extolling himself. I'm thankful that I'm not like this, uh, like, like that person. Mm-hmm. Another person is beating his chest saying, have mercy on me. It's interesting that Jesus in that parable says that he prayed with himself. Mm. He was not praying with God. He was praying with himself. It was dialogue that only took place within the confines of his brain. That prayer never left the head. It never ascended to heaven. It was just self-circular because he was self-focused. You know, I, I, I know that this prayer... I'm hoping that through these prayers, I can impress other human beings that I am a spiritual person rather than being honest and transparent and saying, Father, I am not worthy to come to you, but in the name of your son, Jesus, and his merits, I I come with confidence. Mm -hmm. That's what your word says. I cling to your promises. That's a very different heart attitude. And so early on in my Christian experience, God rebuked me, you know, trying to get rid of, just like you did with your kids. Mm -hmm. Like, I will finish saying amen, in front of the church, but in my head, I would hear the Holy Spirit saying, now, that was okay, now let's hear a real prayer. Right. Exactly what you said to your kids, it was like the Holy Spirit, like, you have not said one word to me. Mm. I'm, I'm eager to hear you, mm-hmm. but you keep talking to people around you, start talking to me from your heart. I know when you're talking to me. Mm-hmm. I know when you're talking to other people, start talking to me. All right, you know, when I was going through this, uh, you know, preparing for this, um, we we see it here in verse six, and we'll see it here. We'll see it again in a couple other verses. But in verse six, he says, uh, "But when you go, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you." And that that triggered something for me. This the word Father. You know, the relationship that we should have with our Father is one where. You know, again, I, I'm sure you're doing the same thing that I'm trying to do. Is when you, when you have kids, you're trying to establish this relationship that yes, you are the authority, you are the authority, but you don't also want them to be scared of you marching in order all the time. You're the approachable authority, right? You want to be approachable too. Um, you know, Emma's at this interesting age of 13, and <laughs> and usually that's the laugh, right, that everybody gives you when they hear yeah, that's that that they're 13. <laughs> But right now, it's it's positive right now because even though uh, I'm the authority, at the same time, she's also reaching that age where we can be, not that we can be, hey, we're friends and we're going to go, you know, hang out, but we're on another, it's a different level, whereas, you know, opposed to her being just a kid, uh, now we can share some things too. Um, so... It's it's actually kind of a joy. Now, yes, we can we can get into that realm of friend a little bit, but I'm still authority, and I don't say that as ha ha, look at me. But it's just that's the relationship. My point to that is that is the kind of relationship we want as fathers. We want our children to be able to come to us even when they mess up, right? You know, just like us to Christ. Right. Uh, when they mess up, we don't want them to go. Oh no, I can't go to dad because he's the authority. No, he. He's there for me. He is my you know, you, friend. You said something that you know keeps. Now you've helped me understand a bit more of the relational aspect of God as a father, because our children basically learn how to talk by repeating what we say, mm-hmm. and in some ways we mm-hmm. learn to pray that way too. 
you know dear jesus dear jesus thank you thank you for this day for this day and that's how we initiate prayer in for our children we introduce them to prayer by simply repeating what we say um just like they repeat what we say in english to learn vocabulary but the goal is not for them to become our little parents that's right right the goal is that they can begin to express their sentiments and begin to express ideas and original thoughts to us of where they're, how they're going and, and what they're doing in life and jesus is basically anchoring prayer to a relational context of father son right where i'm okay with you telling me the same things over and over but that's going to stagnate our relationship right it's not going to allow us mm. to grow i mean if if all your kids ever said to you is i have homework today and i'm hungry i have homework can you help me with my homework today and I'm feed me you know if that's the com the conversations basically revolved around that the relationship would suffer you know they would never really know who you are how much you love them the sacrifices you and Jamie go for and they would never feel like today i'm having a crummy day you know someone bullied me or today i'm having a great day you know my teacher uh, praised me in front of my class about, about something that I did and I feel so good about that you will never hear those conversations because it's all it all centers around um, I have homework can you help me and can you feed me the, the, the goal of a relationship is to continually grow and deepen and I guess those are the joys that you're experiencing with Emma at 13 at least that's what I heard right mm -hmm. she's able to express things to you now that as a child she would not exactly. have been able to right she started to become a young lady which means that the maturing brain He's able to look at the world and either ask questions or make observations and bounce them off of you. Right. Dad, right. what do you think? Mm -hmm. you, I, I trust you. I look up to you. You are my authority figure, but you're my authority of love. Right. Your authority protects me. Your, your, your authority um, will guide and make me, help me make decisions. And this is what I'm seeing right now. And for me, that's... That's the direction that Jesus wants to take prayer. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I did ask you this before the show. If, if you know, if you had ever grappled with the idea of the reward, mm -hmm. what is this reward that Jesus promises twice? And we actually, he puts it actually in the context of we miss out on the reward if we allow the default to govern our spiritual practice, whether we are doing deeds of charity or even prayer. And I'm just sharing the two cents that I shared with you. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that the reward is a changed heart because Jesus is contrasting here a, what he would like for us to experience versus the default, what sin in our default state would allow us to experience. And the issue is the heart. Right. You know, when I read this, I, I instantly just jump to the eternal reward. Mm -hmm. But there is slight, there is a slight danger in that because you have to have the changed heart. That's right. First, so it's not that the, the quantity of prayer will somehow earn me, mm -hmm. um, but rather the reward is the fact that I've opened myself up to the idea that I am a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Just like we said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Prayer will initiate that. Prayer will confront the, our spiritual poverty in regards to motives. Um, it's not simply that I didn't pray before, but now I pray. But now the, the relationship is deepening into, so what drives your prayer? Right. Is it simply that God is a waiter? God is this big Home Depot guy in, in the sky that answers to your needs to build your kingdom down here? Or is he your father? If he's your father, your prayer life should be defaulting to a different uh, mode of operandum. And it changes us. Right. Which is conversion, right? We are born naturally sons of Adam, 
but through conversions that we can become the sons of God. Right. And that implies a transformed, renewed heart by His grace. Mm -hmm. That's the reward. The reward is that I get to call God Father. Right. You know, it's not simply the Almighty, the All-Powerful, but I also begin to see Him as, as this authority figure that has my best interest in mind in His heart always. Mm -hmm. Even if I rebel against Him, He is still on my side. Right. Um, so... I you know, again, it just goes back to the, the, the foundation once again of the great controversy: Is God who He says He is? That's right. right? I mean, is He, is He a loving God? We, you know, as human beings, this gets so goofed up. Where once again, there is this idea that God is on a, on a cloud, waiting for us to mess up with that lightning bolt. Right? He's ready to try to keep us out of heaven. As we go through Scripture. As we go, as we get closer to God, I think what we realize is that that it, you know obviously that's a false image of Him, and God is not in the business of trying to keep people out of heaven. No, He's actually in the business of Saving. trying to bring right. people to Him. Right? Um, it's not simply like, okay, you're in heaven, go ahead, enjoy eternal life. Right. The Book of Revelation says that, and He will be their God, and they shall be His people. It speaks about a restoration of a relationship. God is not simply interested in giving us eternal life so that we don't die. It's that eternal companionship with him that he's seeking to restore. And once again, that eternal life that we're talking about, you know, often you talk about those cliches. Uh, I, I ask people often, you know, when does eternity start? And because I think we have this idea in yeah. our head that eternal to life starts later on. It's but it's now. Yeah, it's, it's now. Quality. Right, it's so that's that relationship that you're talking about. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to segue into verse 7 by saying that I have a pagan daughter. Uh-oh. <laughs> My youngest one. Dalin <laughs> um, told me that in, in Puerto Rico, and she, she, would, she learned to start doing this here, but in Puerto Rico it's manifesting itself because the grandparents are there. Mm -hmm. She wants to now be like a big girl and go potty. Okay. She, she's starting to reject the diaper idea. <laughs> and so, uh, but she'll sit in the toilet, and of course, she doesn't have full control yet. So sometimes it takes five minutes, sometimes it takes 20 minutes right. for her to go. But whenever she goes, immediately after she's done, she wants to be cleaned. So she's learned that if she goes, Grandma, 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 until someone shows up, they're trying to uncondition her. Right. By thinking that by the multiplicity of her calling grandma, <laughs> that that's how it works. Mm -hmm. And verse 7, Jesus says that's that's our default when it comes to prayer too. Mm. Vain repetitions. Um, I was still wonder, and we always put it in context of those pagans out there. Right. You know, and we think about, you know, the, those little prayer beats, the, the, the mindless repetitions that we say it. But that's the human default. Mm -hmm. I don't need prayer beads to repeat over and over and over and over and over. Right. You know, it's interesting what you're talking about is exactly where my head went. You know, it says, you know, the vain repetition. And I, I, I'm I, guilty of it, too. I thought of the same thing. Oh, those poor people that, ironically, the thing that they they repeat is the model prayer that we're about to get to. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the ironic part. But uh so you're right. I didn't think about that. It is true. We can get stuck in that prayer rut and repeat. I mean, you and mentioned repeat. about your kids, right? Mm -hmm. our, our children are the uninhibited reflectors of ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, they choose the path of resistance. Prayer right. re relationships require thinking, intentionality, mm -hmm. and involvement. We don't like that. It takes a lot of effort. 
So we default to default answers, like mm -hmm. tying my shoelace. Why can I say that I don't have to think about? So, oh, I've closed my eyes, fold my hands. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Oh, I'm, I'm in bed. Mm -hmm. you know, I've done that. I, I began to thank the Lord about food, or I began to thank the Lord about, you know, thank you that I'm going to go to bed, and it's morning. And it's embarrassing. Right. <laughs> it's embarrassing because you're like, um, I didn't mean that. <laughs> vain repetition and what it means is it's meaningless right mm. i'm repeating something that means nothing to me wow. i'm doing it simply to fill space and actually i think it's even worse um i think jesus is touching with what my little girl is doing my, my little girl uh, she's being corrected because we don't want her to degrade the relationship to you're going to control us through vain repetition you think you're going to get what you want by mm. repeating it over and over, and that's not how it will work. We love you. Just call for grandma once, and grandma will respond to you, and you will have to learn patience. Patience is key in a relationship, mm -hmm. and God is trying to teach us patience and um, perseverance and endurance. So we don't have to go, gimme, 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 as pagans do, because there is an element of within paganism that through repetition, you earn merit. Right, right. And with merit, now you got brownie points that you can take to, to the big casino of God, those chips, and cash in. In Christianity, the model Jesus is teaching us is you don't need vain repetition. Hmm. Actually, I don't want it. Right. Because you will turn into a mindless, repetitive individual that you're not even sure what you're asking me or you're repeating to control me. Let me ask you this. Is there an element of what Jesus is saying here is there an element of, I don't want you to pray for the same thing over and over because you should have gotten power over that already. Mm -hmm. If you've already asked me, mm -hmm. are you not understanding that I'll fulfill that? I mean, is there an element of that in this? Um, I wrestle with that as well. Mm. I think that there's a mindless, vain repetition, but Jesus teaches a prayer, uh, a parable in, I think it's Luke 18, of a contrasting a unrighteous judge and a poor widow and in the parable the widow keeps coming to the judge do me justice do me justice do me justice and in the parable jesus says that the judge says i better give this widow justice or she's going to wear me out right right and then he says how much more will your heavenly father and so mm. the point of the parable is that we should not faint we should be persevering in prayer so there's a difference between praying for the salvation of my child every morning every day throughout the day it is the same focus but every time is a different expression there, there is an element of a honesty even though i'm asking for the same thing um there's nothing i shouldn't feel guilty if you know i, I have i feel compelled to ask god over health issues you know and i ask him you know over a prolonged period of time or for the healing of someone you know, mm -hmm. um, there, there is something that you gain, even if, if the Lord does not answer your prayer, you have grown in your ability to wait on the Lord, to persevere, and ultimately to, to trust and surrender mm -hmm. to the Lord. So prayer is not simply about a, how does it work so that I either get what I want or I don't annoy God. Right. <laughs> Right, because I think we do struggle with that. I mean, I know I have in the past where you struggle with that feeling of he already knows. I don't need yeah. to do this again, you know. Because yeah. again, I don't want to annoy God, right? Um, so I mean, I think there is that element that we struggle with. Well, in the, in the model prayer that we'll look at, right? Jesus mm -hmm. says, "Give us this day our daily bread." 
which means only for today, which means tomorrow I will ask for it again. And the next day, like manna. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the idea of asking for daily bread may be different from time to time where I don't have a job or I have a job, but we have a crisis. And so it doesn't mean that we don't ask God for the needs, the, the material needs that we have. And sometimes it doesn't mean that we, ha we can bring those same things over and over. You know, I'm sure that with your kids, something tragic may have happened that governs their imaginations and inevitably that's all they can talk about mm -hmm. you know a toy that breaks um something happens and it's in their heads and no matter what you're talking about sometimes the conversation will inevitably end there because that's what's in their hearts it's true yeah. and, and i don't think i don't think god expects us to not be humans you know m my sick mom She's on my mom, my mind at work. She's on my mind at lunchtime. She's on my mind at church. So when I pray, guess what? Guess what's going to dominate? So God understands that we carry burdens and heartaches that consume us. But the invitation is again and again, lay it down, let it go, um, put it at my feet. And Jesus doesn't mind us coming in again and again because he knows that we struggle. We wrestle with those things. And in that context of dialoguing about it, a relationship gets forged, a relationship mm -hmm. gets strengthened. But if I go into default mode of just get my mom to help my mom to get better, amen. Help my mom to get right. better, amen. I'm actually manifesting a I'm not really number one trusting in God. I'm using him as a rabbit's foot. I'm gonna try to look at this money, all these other resources. You are there just in case. You mm -hmm. are my safety net. In case these things fail, well I put it and asked you about it. That's not a relationship. Wow. Mm -hmm. you know, that is, again, main repetitions for me is exactly. a, a passive-aggressive way of trying to control God. Mm. You know, I'm praying to you, and I'm using rep repetitions over and over and over and over. The motive, again, the motive is not surrendering to the Lord. The motive is not trying to understand God's will. The motive is not, Lord, this is heavy in my heart. This is all I can think about. I wish I could stop thinking about this, but it is in my head the whole time. That's, those are not vain repetitions. Vain repetitions are when the motive and, and the drive behind it is, I want you to say yes to this. <laughs> I, I already know what the solution <laughs> is, and I want you to give me the solution. Right. And so I, I, I want to control you, God. Mm. I, I, prayer for me is not about a relationship of you're the authority and I'm the child. Prayer is about the cantankerous kid that will throw a tantrum and repeat and scream until he gets what he wants. Wow. And mm. Jesus is like, that, that kind of relationship ultimately hurts you. Wow. It, de it deprives you of experiencing my love. Mm. So we've gotten the not. We, <laughs> we have we have the how, what not to do here. Yes. So how do we do it then? How do we pray? Um, pray it, Father, in this way, Jesus says, beginning in verse 9. And so there may be listeners that are not familiar. Or maybe it's been a while since they've heard the Lord's Prayer. Uh, John, maybe if you want to read it. Sure. Refresh your memories. Absolutely. You know, yeah, uh, I'll read it. Uh, in this manner, this starts at verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mm. So simple. One, what's that? Simple. Very simple, I guess, right? But, you know, uh, you get you get asked this question. We get asked this question a lot. Lord, I, 
there is a there's a million dollar industry out there. How do we pray? What do I pray for? Because again, as we've already discussed, we can get stuck in these 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 mm-hmm. prayer ruts. When I've read this before, I used to think that's how we're supposed. This is should be our prayer all the time. Our Father who is not in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But it really is just that. It's an outline. It is a model. Yeah, Jesus doesn't say pray then in these words. Right. Exactly. He says pray then in this way. Mm-hmm. There's a way. That so, is being presented here, a direction, a focus. So verse by verse, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot because you're pastor. Okay, yeah. uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does I mean? What does that mean exactly? Well, number one, it begins with an acknowledgement that He's not mine, but our. Right. So there's an element of humility and um, realizing I'm not the favorite. You know, uh, in, in in the dynamics of family. Sometimes you can have that child that thinks that, you know, mom and dad love me more than you. And in the, the Lord's Prayer, God wants to begin us to check with the attitude that because I am a Sabbath keeper or because of this or because of that, therefore God must have favor or sees me in favor over a Hindu or a Buddhist or an atheist or an agnostic or someone that is very antagonistic towards me. And, you know, like those, I remember one time getting so angry at artists in New York. Um, having his work of art displayed in the museum in New York. The work of art basically consisted in a glass Mm. with the artist's urine urine and the cross inside of it. So our father, man, you know, that that to me stretches me Mm. to pray thinking that God sees humanity as his children. I need to begin to see humanity in that way. Our father undoes racism, bigotry, social classes. It, It undoes caste systems. So this way... Jesus is brilliant. You can tell this is the mind of God expressing thoughts in human language, and it is rich. Our Father undoes all the, the, the demographic, sociological divisions that we created here because of sin. Amen. You know, and uh, Paul continues in that in Romans, where he talks about how we're, you know, really bringing in how we're all connected. Sometimes we put ourselves in these bubbles. You know, we're the you know we're the Christians, and then there's those people out there, right? But <laughs> Paul brings it in yeah. where, and Jesus does too, where we are all we're all in this. <laughs> we all receive mercy, right? We all receive mercy, mm-hmm. and it's His kingdom. <clears throat> That's uh, right. So it does bring you to that that humility. Um, you know, it, when we pray. Maybe this would keep us out of those uh, vain repetitions. We are literally at the throne of God. Mm-hmm. We have access to the creator of the universe, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so there is that element of you should be in awe, yeah. but yet we can come there as well. You know, I'm going to do a little parenthesis, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen individuals, interviews of people like that. They've stumbled into very, very famous people. Like they were at a hotel and an actor mm-hmm. comes and boom when when in life will you ever have access to this actor once again and the actor smiles at you and approaches you to say hi and the person's mind goes blank mm-hmm. right because of who you are in front of uh, the realization that i'm in front of the god of the universe i need to be comfortable with silence sometimes Amen. I found myself Amen. sometimes that I just want to rattle on and on and on because I think that if I don't if I don't talk, God's gonna be like, I guess you're done. Bye. Right. Um, sometimes the vain repetition gets cured when you stop talking and start thinking, what do I really want to talk about? Mm-hmm. God's interested. He's got my e- I got his ear, but does he have my heart? Am I gonna to talk to him from my heart? Mm-hmm. And I found myself that 
I would get on my knees, close my eyes, but not start rattling off right away, but rather begin to say, Father, what, what's, what's heavy in my heart? What are some of the things that have been occupying my imaginations? Let me talk to you about the things that really matter to me right now, because you are my Father and you care for me. Right. So uh, all of those things are entailed in our Father, hallowed be your name is a phrase that puzzled me because I would have... I, would, I thought it was, you know, that's a weird way of saying it. It doesn't say you are holy or holy is your name, but hallowed be. That is an expression of availability. Mm. Hallowed be implies that I am willing to join you in this um, great controversy that I may be a tool in your hands to vindicate your name. May my life be the means through which people can see that you are a holy, righteous, good God. Wow, so that... Hallowed be means... His name is holy. His name is holy. But hallowed be implies... If I'm saying those words is, may your name be, be understood, be seen as holy through me. Amen. So that goes right into the next verse. Your kingdom... Your will be That's done it. on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Now here's an individual, just like Job, Right. First John tells us that the whole world is under the power of the enemy. But here is a human being praying to God saying, I'm, I'm, I want to do your will. Amen. I, in, on this earth, governed by sin and under the power of the enemy, your grace has changed me. That I am available, Father. I, I, like, here am I. Send me. Right. Um, and that implies that I, I, I want to do your will. And may my life reveal the beauty and blessing and joy and peace that living under your principles brings to life. May others be attracted to you through the way that I live, carrying out your will. So how can we do that? Well, that, once again, goes right into the next verses, right? Yep. Forgive us our debts yep. as we forget our debtors. The, the, the concern of physical and spiritual needs, and it's interesting the way Jesus puts them, right? Mm -hmm. he, he teaches us, first pray for the bread, then pray for the sins. Meet the physical needs, that will allow for trust to develop so that the spiritual needs can be met. And you see that in, in every outreach event that we do as a church, when we've had health clinics, dental <laughs> clinics, eye clinics for free for mm -hmm. the community, the response to when we are now willing to share something about Jesus goes up exponentially. If we just go into a community right now and say, we, we have prophecies to teach you, uh, right. you know, God is love. Uh, but after we've sacrificially given to that community and left uh, evidences that we care about your daily bread, mm -hmm. we're not just asking for our, for like mine, but our um, daily bread, human heart response. I think you and I talked about this uh, statement from the Zara of Ages, trust begets trust. Love awakens love. And so when I begin to pray, give us this day our daily bread, I am making my resources available to others. Mm -hmm. It has to be both, though. I mean, they do have to go hand in hand because yes. if we feed people and then don't give them the word of God, well, right. you know, again, That's the Red right. Cross does what that way done? better. Right? What have we done, right? right. Just, just fed sinners. Mm -hmm. the, the idea is Jesus compares himself as the bread of life. Mm -hmm. He's that manna. Right. So we're not... We're not simply to do social justice. Right. There are Christians that get completely consumed by that and they think that that is how we allow the kingdom of God to come. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't say your kingdom is here, but we pray right. for it to come. Exactly. There's a different kingdom governing our earth. The mm -hmm. politics and the corruptions reveal that. We're not going to fix it by politics and by you know joining certain causes. 
the only thing that can regenerate and transform a human being is the grace of Christ. Amen. And so we can feed the homeless, mm -hmm. but the homeless need hope that they will have a home that is eternal through the blood of Christ. Um, and so it's not simply alleviating people's sufferings. Why are they suffering? <clears throat> Ultimately, it's because of sin. <clears throat> and until sin is resolved, the suffering will continue. And even if we were to provide clothing and food and shelter <clears throat> for those individuals, they are still poor, blind, and naked. Exactly. You know, until right. they're covered with the rule of Christ. Right. So they're giving us of the daily bread and forgiving us of our debts. They do go hand. They're inseparable. Amen. And then the third one is replies a journey. It's not over. They're oh, man. Converted. I thought it was over once I went in the water. No, and, ah. do, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil is a daily prayer. Amen. You, you don't need to tell Satan, hey, are you going to be tempting me today? Do you have plans to cause me to fall today? <laughs> um, he, ha he has plans for you and I to fall on Friday, and he'll begin today. Right. He'll mm -hmm. tempt us today, not into not praying, but to pray in a non-relational way to God. And I tell relate to God as a father. I always find that it seems like when we have that relationship figured out with God, that's when he hits us the hardest. Yeah. Right? To get our eyes all off focus, mm -hmm. to get our eyes focused. Mrs. White's in this book called Steps to Christ, which is for me my favorite book. She, she um, points out the one place that Satan loves to take our eyes and focus them on he says, you know, he has distractions of pleasures, worries, and all that stuff. But the favorite place is our failures. Mm. When he can take our eyes off of Jesus and focus them on ourselves, um, he has a trem tremendously easy time leading us then away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we can do that while praying. I can be praying to God while thinking about myself, my failures. And it's, when we confess our sins, yes, uh, I am looking at the things that I have done, but my focus is still on Jesus. Him, his blood, his merits, his forgiveness, his promises in the word. That is something that just like your daughters, your daughter and your son, my daughters, relationships take practice. Yeah. Because because of sin, we revert to the, the degrading, stagnating ways of relating to one another where we try to manipulate and use repetition and pride and self-governs it. It is not intuitive for us to have a loving, healthy, functional relationship, and prayer is at the heart of it. So and it takes practice. So it takes practice. It takes effort. Yes. Not effort. Once again, you know, there's always this fine line in Christianity of, of, of legalism or of uh, you owe me, you know, or merit or whatever. But nonetheless, sometimes I think this gets lost. There is an effort on our yeah, part. I think the effort is the effort of commitment. Yeah, it's easier, right? Jesus says, "My my take on my yoke, mm -hmm. but my yoke is way easier." I'm that's paraphrasing, right. but you know, mine is way easier. But that's that's what this is. There is effort. There's we do have willpower. We have to exercise. God gave that so to us. So it's not simply put effort into your prayer life. Right. The appeal, uh, as we conclude this program, is right. not simply pray. You got to pray, but rather practice this read these passages and begin to ask God, Lord, lead me in this way. Teach me to pray in this way. Not necessarily these words, but in this way. With you at the heart, with you as the focus, and learning, learning that I'm not talking to someone that's upset with me, right. someone that is angry. I'm talking to my Heavenly Father who has loved me with an everlasting love and on a daily basis seeks to draw me with his courts of kindness. Amen.